Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese and the Marks of a Christian. The believer is to be known for his kindness and benevolence towards the less fortunate in life. Listen to Proverbs 19.17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay, meaning he, God, will pay back what he has given. God does not overlook anything. God is the one who directs and guides, and God will be faithful to his work and the people who yield to him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. One of the most effective ways of keeping your life on track is to stand firm on the Word of God. Today, Pastor Xavier enters the home stretch of his study series in the Book of Romans as he reminds us of the importance of living out our faith based not on the ways of man, but in carefully following God's Word alone. Let's join him for Simple Truths Drawn Today from chapter 15. The message is entitled, Reasons for Paul's Letter. Paul the Apostle, as you know, has closed a practical section of bearing the weak brethren by the stronger brethren after the example of Christ, as well as his own service to the Gentiles after the very example of what he requested them at the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 being living sacrifices to prove it is acceptable, the perfect will of God. All that God has done for us is required back to us the way we live and how we live as we yield to God. The evident key being yielding to the person and power of Christ, thereby glorying only in Him alone, as verse 17 and 18 of chapter 15 declares here. And so Paul now expresses his purpose for writing to the Roman church, and it is threefold. Let me read here, verse 22 on down. For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are uh, their debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way to you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The express purposes of writing to the Romans is threefold. First, verse 22 to 24, to reveal his intent to visit them. Secondly, 25 through 29, to reveal his intent to deliver a love gift at Jerusalem. 
And then thirdly, to reveal his intent to solicit their prayers, 30 to 33. Let's begin here. The first is to reveal his intent to visit them. Notice verse 22. The Apostle Paul told them the reason he had failed to come to Rome in the past. For this cause I also have been much hindered from coming to you. The phrase for this reason refers back to the previous section of Paul's ministry to the Gentiles in the gospel. In verse 15, his letter to them was based on the grace given to him by God. It was always grace, nothing else. Paul used to be a man who believed in law. He was introduced into grace. Verse 16, his service was as a ministry of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, a servant. Now want the Lord over them. Now want to rule them. 17, his glory was in Christ alone in the things pertaining to God. Paul used to boast in his accolades and his accomplishments. Philippians tells us very clear. And he counted all his rubbish, a pile of manure. He gloried only in Christ Jesus. In 18, his message was only in what Christ accomplished through him in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. So he never overstepped his bounds. His limitation of authority was the word of God. He saw himself as a servant. He did not manipulate the people. But he only brought them under the authority of God's word. And in 19, his ministry was followed by signs and wonders in the region covering Jerusalem and round about Illyricum, fully preaching the gospel of Christ. Notice that signs and wonders followed the gospel, not the reverse. There have been movements in the past thinking that if signs and wonders can be performed, people will be saved. No, no one has ever been saved by a miracle or a sign. You're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God through the gospel. Signs and wonders follow the people of God. We pray and God sovereignly does as he wills, but we don't perform tricks so people can be attracted. A person sees a miracle, he'll want another miracle. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling. Very important. And in verse 20, his goal was always to preach the gospel where Christ had not been preached in order to not build another man's foundation. This is so basic, so good. Go where Christ has never been preached if you feel you're called. Notice Paul had been hindered by God being on assignment. He was hindered in a good way. The word hindered there means to impede one's course by cutting off their way. It's in the imperfect tense, indicating many, not just one time. But here Paul saw this as God's hand upon his life. And God does this in a very practical manner. The hindrance of God for Paul was in a good way. To be in the will of God as he preached the gospel. God had called him, anointed him, and then he directed and guided him, sometimes directly speaking to him, giving visions, and sometimes by stopping him. Be careful you don't put God in a box and you start saying, well, God can only do it this way. You look to the word of God and see how God has worked in the lives of men and women in the past. God was guiding and directing Paul in the ministry he had called him to. Again, it was the ministry of God. God had sent him on three missionary journeys, as you know, Asia Minor, broken to Europe. God had stopped him from preaching in Asia Minor there in the Bithynia and directed him and Silas over to Troas. And at Troas, Paul receives a vision from Macedonia. And the man says, come over and help us. And they knew God was directing. They went to Philippi and the fine lady and some women there at the riverside having prayer, not riverside, but at the riverside. And 
God started a church there. God was in all that. And Paul could discern those times of impediness from God than from Satan. Notice in 23, the apostle Paul told the Romans what God had accomplished through him. Paul had exhausted the entire area of, of, of virgin territory regarding the gospel. But now, no longer having a place in these parts. That's an amazing statement. Now, these parts were those that were receptive there in the three missionary journeys. But also, God knew the places that were not receptive, and it was a waste of time, so God didn't allow them to go there. You and I don't know, but God does, so we're to seek him. Lord, where would you have me to go? I take every opportunity to minister if he opens the door, but I got to have him direct and guide me. And sometimes he stops you. And he did to Paul. But that whole area, God gave him a set amount of time and he fulfilled it. And it's amazing that he said, I don't have any other place to, to preach the gospel. We've been here for about 23 years. And we've impacted this community. We go out in the community. We go out to the high schools. We go out street witnessing. It's important. Now notice Paul still had the desire to come to them after the many years. I have a great desire these many years to come to you. So Paul, this was his longing desire. Uh, Rome was the capital. God had established a church there. You remember in the book of Acts when Peter preached, there were those from Rome there also. Went back, started a church. He took the time to indicate a release from this previous missionary work. God was releasing him. There was no more to go on. So he looks to the Lord, and he without doubt understood this is God's leading to come to Rome. Now, he didn't know exactly all and how, but he felt led that God was in this to go, as we'll see, over to Spain by way of Rome. Notice in 24, the apostle Paul told the Romans how he would come to them. Paul would come to them by way of Spain. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. His heart was set on Spain to preach the gospel. This was his main focus. Rome was just an incident of travel. His focus was the gospel. Paul was not looking to uh, tour the world. He wasn't saying, well, you know, I deserve it after three missionary journeys. I, I, need, I, I need a sabbatical. <laughs> his plans would take advantage of the moment to fulfill his long life desire here to see Rome and the church there. Notice Paul was anticipating this trip for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. So he hoped to see them. His, his longing was for the people. Notice Paul was most delighted in being with them. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, he wanted to enjoy their company, fellowship. There's something about having face-to-face -face conversation, spending time with people. This is... A lost art today. Nobody talks. They deserve to get a carpal tunnel. <laughs> when you spend time with people, you talk with people, you listen to people, you forge strong bonds. You get to know who people are. He would spend some time when he was with them on the way to Spain. He was looking forward to this. Paul was a people person. You know, there are many marriages that fail simply because they never communicate with each other and things are distorted, misunderstood. And communication could have very cleared a lot of things up. 
how many battles have been lost in war due to the bad communication from headquarters to the battlefield. One little glitch that the radio goes off or somebody giving the wrong coordinates or whatever it may be. When we were in the world without Christ, we did and we went as we willed, as you know. But now in Christ, as Christians, we live differently under the will of God. We abandon some things altogether because they are offensive to God and our life was sinful. We don't do those things anymore. We certainly have the capacity, but he's made us new creatures. We don't do other things just because they're a waste of time. (laughs) I don't cruise the city on Friday night anymore. A waste of time. We place priority on the things of God and the kingdom of God. We have a different perspective. We focus on the most important lost people. Those who used to be just like us. Thinking that 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 fulfillment is out there somewhere in an experience or a person or a car or an education or a bank account or whatever it may be that we might minister Christ to them. We understand that we're stewards and ambassadors of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. And so we live differently, willfully, joyously, wholeheartedly. And so Paul's desire was to reveal his intent to visit them. It all comes down to fellowship, doesn't it? But it's made possible through our relationship with Jesus Christ. No other way. And notice secondly, verse 25 through 29, to reveal his intent to deliver a love gift to Jerusalem. In 25 and 26, the apostle Paul indicated the priority of his plans. Paul pointed out that he would first go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. But now... I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. The word minister, diaconio, means to be a servant, literally to be a waiter on tables. And as you know, we get our word deacon from it. Servants, a minister, this is the word minister. One one who's a servant, a waiter on tables. We're supposed to be servants of God. This is to be the constant perspective of all believers. We are to serve one another out of love and the non-believer. Notice in 26, Paul pointed out that this service was to deliver a financial offering from Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, For it pleased those of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. The motive of these saints was voluntary. Please understand that. Don't miss it. The word pleased means good pleasure. It's all you want to do that. No one's going to stop you. It's just a joy to do it. Paul had boasted about the Macedonians' love to the Corinthians for the saints at Jerusalem in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 61, he spoke about the offering, then he gets over in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. And he boasted about them because they were so poor. As we'll point out later on, they gave of their deep poverty. It was where wars always went and they had little. And when they wanted to give, Paul said, oh, no, no, you don't have to. He said, hey, don't do that. We want to give out of the deep poverty. And so he uses that to rebuke the Corinthians because the Corinthians had promised a year before and they were procrastinating. Notice the physical evidence was a certain contribution. There's no amount given. It was just an offering that Paul was collecting to take to the poor saints. 
It means fellowship, koinonia, partnership, oneness, sharing, distributing. It's used in many different ways. It's a rich word. The reason for the contribution was the poor saints among the saints in Jerusalem. Not all the saints in Jerusalem were poor, but there were many poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now, possibly because of what they had done in the beginning, selling everything and distributing in a commune living. And the motive could have been that they thought Jesus was going to return right away. Now, that should teach us something. The Bible teaches, and Jesus teaches this parable, that it's much better for you to work with your own hands and be a steward of what you have and invest what you have so it works for you so you can not only provide for yourself but for others. If you sell everything, then someone's going to have to help you pretty soon. Socialism doesn't work. It works only until other people's money runs out. It's never worked anywhere in the world. Look at 27. The Apostle Paul identified the principle of love. The Gentiles, saints here, gave of their finances from their heart. Again, as an expression of believing they were indebted to the Jew. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. The Gentiles felt privileged. They were outside of the realm of God. Enemies of God. Now they're children and friends of God. The Gentiles wanted the Jewish Christians to know their appreciation. It's a response of love and appreciation here. Notice the Gentiles recognized that they were partakers of the spiritual heritage of the Jews. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, and the word partaker means to come into communion. There's a word again, koinonio this time, a different form but the same word. They had come into communion with the fellowship of the Jewish believers in Christ. The Gentiles had never experienced this. They were without God in the world. Now they had a living relationship with Jesus Christ. They were one with the Jew. Unheard of. In fact, it was being opposed by those who didn't like it. This fellowship is said to be spiritual notice, a new creation in fellowship with God and the Jewish believers, one in Christ. And so notice the Gentiles recognized they had a responsibility, listen, to family. That's how they were viewing the Jews, family. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. The word duty means debt of obligation belonging to the family of God here. They did not think it a burden being motivated by family love. In fact, the word minister there means to serve the state of one's own expense. It's a response from their heart for their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus being magnified because they gave out of their deep poverty in 2 Corinthians 8 too. Now look at 28 and 29. The apostle Paul indicated the time and manner of his coming. Paul would come after fulfilling the delivery of the love gift. He felt personally responsible to see it delivered by performing and sealing the fruit, he says. Therefore, I have also performed, when I perform this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way to you to Spain. The word perform means to accomplish, and the word seal is a metaphor to indicate an offering completed and untampered. Accountability, integrity. That every penny we have received 
was delivered as fruit sealed. Paul called the offering by the Philippians fruit. And he says it's fruit not only towards me, but fruit to your account before God. In Philippians 4, 17, God will reward you. Now, there's a lot of weird things that pastors and churches do with money things. They start teaching that if you give one, God will give you ten. And so that we even have doctrines of seed faith, you know. Sow your seed faith and God will bring you back abundance. And, and we manipulate people so that, you know, and we motivate them carnally, right? We know where people are greedy or money. So what does pastors do? What do programs do? They motivate people carnal. If you give one, God will give you ten. Listen, God will never be a debtor. And you can never outgive God. But don't let anybody teach you that if you give one, God will give you ten. I can assure you this, that if you're faithful to God and you're giving to God and you're doing what God wants you to do from your heart, that you will never lack. That God will be faithful. He will add to you and bless you in ways that you have no ideas about. (laughs) I guarantee you. That's why we stay away from all that pressure. He has been faithful. Notice he would come by way of Spain for this offering afterwards. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ, fulfilling his long desire and having a base of contact to minister from the closest thing there. And possibly maybe, you know, whatever else he needed. But again, it would be all out of that fellowship and that love and that vision that to reach the loss and, 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 and as God was directing him. Notice in verse 29, Paul would come in the fullness of blessing. He knew this for certain. I know when I come to you. He knew he was to be a blessing to others. I shall come to you in fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. This is the only way we can bless anybody. Now, he didn't know exactly how he was going to get there. He had some ideas preconceived, but it, it was all different. Now, God may be leading you or the church or whatever it may be, and we may be certain of that, and he is, but we don't have all the details. Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. Then they encountered a storm. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? They didn't listen. He says they were going to the other side. He didn't tell you how you're going to get there, what was going to happen between point A and point B, but you will get there. Now, as you know, we, we, we know what happened. So Paul did get there, but not the way he thought, right? But he knew God was leading him that direction. Here he comes with this offering, offering of love. You remember when Jesus pointed to the disciples, that widow that gave those two mites, as he looked into the treasury and everybody's giving of their abundance and all these lavish gifts. And he told his disciples, this woman gave more than all of them put together. The disciples scratched their head, what are you talking about? Jesus said, because she gave of her livelihood what it took to live. Once again, Jesus points out the right priority for money. The attitude of the heart. The believer is to be known for his kindness and benevolence towards the less fortunate in life and those God directs him or her to help. I cannot meet everybody's needs, but I'm to meet the needs that God shows me. I'm not to gather a whole bunch of group of people to help the one that God tells me to help. (laughs) We like to be organizers rather than agonizers. (laughs) There's a big difference. Listen to Proverbs 19:17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay, meaning he, God, will pay back what he has given. 
God does not overlook anything. God is the one who directs and guides, and God will be faithful to his work and the people who yield to him. Pastor Xavier Reese and why your faith should be reflected in your actions. You can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled Reasons for Paul's Letter. As always, they're available for just $4. And by the way, this CD contains the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. So once again, the title to ask for is Reasons for Paul's Letter. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 